Hey listeners, welcome to Confessions from a Therapist, where we will not be spilling the tea on clients, but we will be giving you an inside look into the world of therapy. So sit back, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Please remember this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes. Please seek services if you need, as this is not a therapeutic relationship or substitute for your own therapy. If you are in a crisis and need immediate assistance, please call 911. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to episode um, 15 of Confessions from a Therapist, where we'll, we will be recapping episode four of Brene Brown's, Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart, which is the places we go when things aren't what they seem. So I guess before we jump into that, Michelle, really quick, how have you been? <laughs> <laughs> that laugh. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've had a little rough patch over here just a couple weeks of just I don't know lots of stuff Gabe was sick Mm. then he COVID finally found him and so that was a whole situation and I was like solo parenting like not 100% because my mom um you know, like made us dinners and like, you know, did things like that. But for the Mm. most part, like it was just me 24 seven and Liana was very upset that she couldn't see Gabe. So that only like escalated the situation because she was like, he's here, but like you, I can't see him. Why is this happening? And so she was just very emotional and like very angry about the whole thing Mm -hmm. and yeah it was a challenge for sure yeah I've said it before and I will say it again a million times like I don't even know how single parents do it they get a special sort of like strength (laughs) and like resiliency and superpower to parent alone because it's just next level yeah um yeah but luckily like that's done now I'm so happy about it <laughs> it's gone it's in the past these 10 days are the longest 10 days of like my whole life um but no it's done it's past we're good everything's back to normal which is still crazy, but like mm-hmm. would be less crazy. Than it was. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's how things have been going with me over here. Nice, nice. Yeah. I mean, not really, but <laughs> well, like it's it's nice now that we are past it. Yeah, it's just a memory now. It's fleeting mm-hmm. in the past. Yeah. <laughs> so, what about you, Donald? Have you been pretty good? Um, nothing too crazy. I know I went out of town like two weekends ago, so that was fun. Actually, mm-hmm. we had, we, it was one of those like trips where you plan that you're just like halfway through. You're like, why did we plan it? Yeah. And we're here. <laughs> I don't know if you ever had those, <laughs> but <laughs> because honestly, I'm going to be just real. Like mm-hmm. my boyfriend has a, like a love ring that, um, I had got him like when, like within the first year we were dating or I think or something like that. And he wanted to get it resized. Mm-hmm. So, but, and it's, and it's a Cartier ring. So there's no places here that you can do it. You have to go to an actual like store. Yeah. So we were like, well, what's the closest one? We always go like to LA. Let's go up North. And we're like, Oh, Palo Alto. Okay. We'll go up that way. Mm-hmm. So we literally went up there for a weekend just to get a ring resized. And we, <laughs> made an appointment for a Saturday at 4 30 mm-hmm. p.m. because that was the only thing that was available and we're like fine we'll go up there so we go Friday night we stay in this hotel room like hotel that was like fine but it was like it was like oh beachside it was a swamp it felt like yeah, yeah. well like in the bay area like you really have to know your little like district mm-hmm that you're staying in or like your little outskirt city because looks online can be deceiving it was very deceiving we yeah. literally walked 
around and I was like literally Shrek and Fiona that's what I feel like <laughs> like I was like we're living on the swamp <laughs> like, this is what happened and I was like and if you murder me you can throw me in here and it would be completely fine yeah like, they won't find my body like literally whatever lives in this water will take me yeah the, so, perfect, the perfect exactly crime. perfect crime and it was like not like the hotel was fine but we that's like that Friday we went to like, the, the hotel bar did you know had a drink went back relaxed Saturday we're like let's just go to Cartier and see if they can let us in like when they open at 11 a.m so we mm-hmm. did and we had that taken care of and then we're like literally what else are we going to do around this town like there's nothing to do in Palo Alto feels like and we're yeah. like we were like why are we should have just came here and did this and then went home but we're like can we get our money back for the hotel and we're like no let's just let's just do like a staycation in the hotel. So that's what we yeah. pretty much did. Mm-hmm. We went out, but so it was good to get out of Fresno, but it was just funny how like, I've never been on a trip where you're like, could have just stayed home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and that is, yeah. Cause Palo Alto is a little bit detached from like everything that you would kind of do. Yeah. It's like that in between. There's like 30 minutes to San Francisco and then like another 30 or so minutes to San Jose where all this stuff is and you're just there. Yeah. Like there's just that spot and you're like, mm. yeah. So. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. So that was it. <laughs> but it was good. Yeah. Well, you, you got a change of scenery. Yeah, exactly. That's always nice. Yeah. But mm-hmm. note yourself, really think about the trips. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the location of the trip before you take it exactly <laughs> which kind of I guess you know it's funny because I was just thinking about it like segue into this episode where it's like bittersweet <laughs> yeah. uh, speed of Bernie Brown's episode four <laughs> yeah speaking of uh, so what did you think of this episode um I liked it mm-hmm. like it wasn't my favorite but it, she did, again, make some, like, really good distinctions between some of them for me, mm-hmm. where I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like, mm-hmm. okay, I understand that a little bit better than I did before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, like you were, you just talked about bittersweet. And, again, she showed clips. Of Those this. clips. And, yeah, I always love sorry I always love the clips um because it it's like a real life role play Mm -hmm. you know where you're like oh yes that's what it looks like because when we're walking through life people aren't like saying like this is so bittersweet maybe Mm -hmm. they're thinking it in their mind right but like in the moment like when you're going through the experience whatever it is you're not really like as cognitive and like labeling these things where you're just more experiencing it or you're witnessing other people like have experiences. So then to Mm -hmm. be able to see the clips, like you're like, oh yeah, you know, like that's what someone's face looks like. That's what their body language looks like. Like that's the tone of voice that somebody uses when they're talking about something and they're actually like experiencing this emotion. And so one thing about bittersweet that which is like the mixed feeling of happiness and sadness we've all felt something like that um but she had brought up like I really enjoy like neurobiology Uh and like neuroscience it's like I didn't take you for a neuro girl no I (laughs) I do like whenever someone like starts talking about how these things like what the brain looks like when these things are going on I'm like Mm -hmm. tell me more about that (laughs) (laughs) let me get a book and read about that (laughs) turn Um, the light dim the lights a little bit yeah I'm watching neuroscience (laughs) (laughs) so she was talking about like neurobiologically Mm -hmm. our brain system is actually it's not experiencing both happiness and sadness simultaneously it's moving between happiness and sadness yeah so it's like you're going back and forth um and I'm like okay like that makes so much sense because when something is bittersweet like it really is this feeling of like oh this is so nice oh but I'm so sad 
mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, this is so sweet. Oh, but I'm so like sad about this and devastated about that it's ending or, you know, whatever it might be. And so I just thought that was like really interesting to think about the yeah. brain science behind the emotion. Yeah. I I found the kind of go back to the um the videos that she showed like f- when I was watching those like it was interesting to see my body respond to like those videos too cuz I was like mm-hmm. oh my gosh like this is a feeling of bittersweetness right mm-hmm. it was just interesting to see that and so when you were talking about the neurobiology too and I'm like oh my god my brain is literally doing it right now while watching this yeah like literally it's doing that and my body is literally reacting to what's going on Mm-hmm. like the toy story one gets me oh that gets okay. that hits my heart I'm I like, I'm pretty sure through that whole sort of montage I was crying and then the mm-hmm. toy story one came I was like I'm done this is Checked cruel out. you can't yeah. do this to people because that scene where Andy is like giving Woody away Mm-mm. oh no it just brings up so many of your own feelings about like growing up yeah exactly my god like I can't even and so it's just like playing he's like talking about how Woody was like his friend for so long and I'm just sitting there like with weepy eyes yeah in this like 15 second clip it's not even real yeah. <laughs> it's an animation and we're it's just an like animation and I'm like devastated yeah but like not even because it is such a bittersweet thing you're like oh, no yes no yes mm-hmm. you know yeah. That make like you said, it's that flux and flow between sorrow and joy. Yeah, where it's like you're seeing the sorrow because you know the tone in his voice of like he's been my friend, right? And you're just like, uh, that sorrow. But he's like, and I know that you'll have good times with him too. And you're like that joy that he's also giving, and it's like Mm -hmm. literally just that back and forth kind of sway. And so, and and it was interesting when she talked about it too. She's like, you can experience bittersweet in so many different places, like. The end, ending of a relationship, you know, like, um, what else did she say? I can't even remember the examples, like all of them, but she was just saying how it's, you feel it in so many different situations. Mm-hmm. So many, like beginning and endings of anything, mm-hmm. you know? And I think <clears throat> one thing that now, I feel like now I experience like bittersweetness literally all the time mm. because like becoming a parent oh all you're doing is like being super happy that they're like learning something new and getting bigger while also being like absolutely devastated that yeah. they're learning new things and getting bigger and like it started for me like granted I had like just had a baby and so your hormones are everywhere and so you just kind of cry <laughs> but mm-hmm. Like, I remember, like, coming home, Soliana was, like, days old, and she'd it'd be nighttime, and she'd be asleep, and then I would just sit there and, like, cry, because mm-hmm. I'm, like, she's bigger now than she was, like, yesterday, you know? Like, she's she's changing, and now I just experience that every day, and yeah. so, like, like, my life is just a continuous stream of like bittersweet feeling all the time which I guess it wasn't surprising but at the same time you're like it just literally will go on forever there's not like a point in which it stops Mm -mm. and continuous yeah and when I think about it too like I was when you were talking about I was thinking my niece and nephew Mm -hmm. like one of the things that Bernie Brown said about bittersweet too, is that, you know, moments are like moments always pass. Yeah. Always fleeting. Like, so to grab joy by the throat, when Mm -hmm. she says, she's like, I like how she did it too. She's like, you got to grab joy by like, (laughs) she like pauses. She's like motioned her hand. Yeah. Yeah, She's like, get it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I sometimes find myself looking through old photos of my niece when she was a baby. Cause right now my nephew is going to be one. So, Mm -hmm you know, there's not too many pictures to kind of look at and be like, he's growing, but mm-hmm. my niece is going to be like five, I think, or I think she's gonna be five. And we'll look at like baby pictures of her. And we're just like, Oh, like we'll never, we'll never get those back. Yeah. But also she's growing and it's so great and happy to see her grow. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and I miss her as a baby. And yeah. I just, you know, and I think there's other parts of it too, where it's just like, I don't know, but this doesn't have to do bittersweet, but I'm like, I'm worried for the world. You know what I mean? I'm like, the world's going to hurt her. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, so it's like this bittersweet of like, she's aging, she's growing, but also at the same time, like, I don't know. I'm like, she's growing too fast. Yeah. <laughs> so no, it is. And like the worst culprit of eliciting the bittersweetness for mm-hmm. you, like as someone watching a child grow is Google photos. Uh, yes. They Google put together photo. stuff. Yes, is constantly every single day sending me a picture I took a year ago and like then making me reflect on how tiny she was. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, look how small she was such a baby. And then I send that to Gabe. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're both crying. (laughs) And now we're both just like, oh my gosh, like, can you believe it? And yeah. And so I'm like, thank you, Google Photos for just messing with my emotions. Google Photos has better sweep down. Yeah. And they do like montages, like photo montages. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, well, thank you. Because I'm going to cry for a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I hate those when they send you like a video and they're like, growing so fast. They title Mm -hmm. that and you're like, what? And then you click on it and you're like, oh God, Google Photos, what are you doing? Thanks. Please stop doing that to me. Like you don't yeah. even know if I'm extra sensitive today or not. You have to yeah. gauge gauge whether I can handle it. Yeah, Google Photos, you don't know us. I know. <laughs> but they do because they always pick like just the nice varietal of pictures <laughs> that show like the time progression. And you're like, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So bittersweet's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. It's just that flux and flow between sorrow and joy. Yeah. That just, you know. Again, all of these are, we all experience them. Mm-hmm. Um, what came after bittersweet was nostalgia. Yeah. Which is like homesickness. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was very interesting because she had mentioned that like way back in the day or the mm-hmm. very early 1900s, mm-hmm. it was pathologized because- yeah. It was it people in the service. So like people at war would literally die because of nostalgia, mm-hmm. like because they were so homesick. And so it was like they pathologized. It, it was like a like a thing that they labeled you as and that you could get in trouble for like being because they obviously didn't want like their service members to like die right while in service and I was like that's so crazy and it just shows the power of like your mind Mm -hmm. you know like how strong like your thoughts are and like the power that your mind has to just like over your body yeah and just Mm -hmm. like alter different things um and then she also talked about how like person personal nostalgia mm-hmm. is selective. Yes. So it's like a reminder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we don't, you know, when you're being nostalgic about something like your childhood, for example, mm-hmm. or a certain situation, like right now it's summertime, right? So like all the kids are getting out of school. So of course you're like, I remember. When I got out of school. Yeah, that summer of 2017. Yeah. Or, whatever it right? might like, be. or just those fun things that you used to do as a kid and like what summer felt like. As an mm-hmm. adult, summer is just hot and sweaty and, you know, that's it. But as a kid, yeah, it was a good time. And mm-hmm. you do like, you are selective in what that sort of nostalgia like what memories come up about that like you're Mm -hmm. not thinking about like the really boring days Mm -hmm. like I literally almost don't remember my parents working during the summer but I know (laughs) that they did (laughs) right like I know that they had to go to work but my memory of that like does not include them being at working yeah you know it's Mm -hmm. so it's interesting yeah and she, she had mentioned too, with this personal one, that it's a very healthy, mm-hmm. it's like super healthy to have this personal nostalgia mm-hmm. because 
it really does help you connect to something in the past but capturing it in this moment mm-hmm. so I like I think of like you know something anything really anything meaningful to you like a song a memory it could be anything and that it's super healthy to have mm-hmm. or like would you also think like food right it's like we were just having a conversation about coffee yeah and I feel like coffee is very nostalgic for me because when I would go over to my nana and my papa's house when I was uh-huh. little my nana would always let us have like a cup of coffee. Granted, it was mostly creamer and sugar <laughs> with like a little bit of coffee, but like that smell, mm-hmm. there's something about the smell, right? And it just like gives me all like the warm, fuzzy, like comfort. Feelings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, it's so like every single time I pass a Starbucks on the street, right? Or any sort of like <laughs> coffee wafting place like it brings me back to that that feeling like in the moment right now in the present it's like oh I feel this like comfort Mm -hmm. that was created you know a very long time ago you know at Mm -hmm. this point um and they she show that ratatouille video oh yeah where they like eat the ratatouille and it brought him back to like when you said the coffee thing I was like oh just like the ratatouille video like mm-hmm. brought him right back to his grandma making him this like I don't know if it was ratatouille or not but it was like the soup yeah that taste I guess it tasted the same but mm-hmm. he was just like uh, blown away by it mm-hmm. so yeah something very meaningful and it just yeah. takes us back there where it allows our body just to connect to that same kind of comfort mm-hmm yeah and she, so that's like the the nice part about it yeah there's another one where she I think she said because she said there's two kinds of it and there's one that's called past all right right like past yeah. nostalgia or something like that mm-hmm. and it was like thinking you can go back but can't forget about the bad things so yeah it, it can be a very like a destructive force mm-hmm. is what she was saying like wanting to go back in time but like being like sort of delusional about it so like yeah. mm-hmm. that one brought up for me in movies you know how there's oh like you know it's such a trope in movies where there's like a person that was really popular in high school oh yeah they were like the star athlete or the cheerleader or whatever like the most popular person and then the movie like jumps forward and they just like want to relive their glory days yep right like the most recent movie with rebel wilson on netflix i think yeah Mm -hmm. like that Yeah, because she was in a coma. Uh huh. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a great example. (laughs) (laughs) She literally goes back to high school to try to just like redo what she didn't get the op, like the chance to do, Mm -hmm. or start from like that part. Um, and I could see where, you know, there is this difference of mm, this cup of coffee, like just makes me feel so much comfort and I'm kind of stopping my current life because I want to go back to my previous version Mm -hmm. um, of my life Mm -hmm. and it's like taking you out of the current moment yeah Mm -hmm. and so much about what, what all of these are right is it's very present you know, like noticing and being aware of what emotions are coming up for you is a very right now sort of thing. Like we can reflect on it right later Mm -hmm. in a more complicated situation. You can be like, what was going on for me? What was I feeling? But for the most part, you're experiencing your emotion in the present. Mm -hmm. And we can't really experience emotions in from in the past or in the future like all we can do is like what how we're feeling right now at this second yeah um and with this like nostalgia of the past it's like you're I don't know it almost to me like seems like you're torturing your current self Mm -hmm. you know like wishing for something that like you can't have because you can't go back right wishing yeah wishing for something you you can't get back really Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm and letting it consume you yeah and like run your current life in that where you currently are and that's what brings about that delusional form of it Mm -hmm. is that you're really just kind of living your life by like what it is that you're wanting to 
to get, get back mm-hmm. and you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Or it kind of also reminds me of in Mean Girls, like the mom. Oh, wait, the blonde mom? Yeah. I remember the actress's name, but Regina's, yeah, I don't know. Regina's mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because she definitely is like, hey, girls. Like, you know, so she's very much trying to live in a teenage version of like her current adult life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you were saying that, it just kind of made me think about that. You know, she's in her pink velour jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, doing the whole thing. And yeah, sometimes that happens. Sometimes, sometimes it does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It can happen to all of us. <laughs> I've definitely had some memories of that. So yeah. like, <laughs> definitely can. Yeah. <laughs> Been there, mm-hmm. still do that. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one or the next sort of set was rumination versus reflection. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Um which to me in terms of thinking about like mental health rumination reflection is are like very important ones to understand Mm -hmm. um you do want to distinguish that with especially like clients yeah when they come in and they talk about those things because there is a distinct difference between rumination and reflection Mm -hmm. yeah so like reflection right is a sort of like healthy thing that we should all be doing Mm -hmm. occasionally right like a situation happens and then you're like okay let me let me like reflect on that like what happened like why did that happen like Mm -hmm. how do I feel about that now what was my response like how could I have responded better or you know whatever that is yeah where rumination is like the situation happened, the situation happened, the situation uh-huh. happened over and over. And you're again, torturing yourself Yep. into a spiral Yeah. Um, that is not like of service to you no. at all. Yeah. Not, nothing's going to come from rumination except more anxiety, more depression about the thing. Right. Low self-esteem, hopelessness, worthlessness, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you just, you literally hit, what is it? The, the hammer on the head, the nail on the head, the nail on the head. There you go. I was like, what's that saying? saying?" I mean, really, when you think about it, the, if you were to put yourself in a situation where you can practice both reflection and rumination, is there a memory that comes to mind where you've had both those come up for you? Where you like notice, like I'm ruminating on this, but wait, let me pause and let me reflect on it instead to see if there's a difference um yes mm-hmm. so I think because I tend to run anxious I was gonna say because I, we both you know we run anxious so yeah it's so, easy to ruminate <laughs> yes. so anxiety really breeds rumination and then rumination uh, breeds anxiety yep so I have much experience <laughs> with ruminating and now I very often reflect on my rumination where I really have to be like, okay, what, what's going on? Like, what is the fear? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, what is the scary thing for me? What I found helps is like speaking it out loud. Cause usually things I'm ruminating on are like really catastrophic mm-hmm things you know like my anxiety like really takes me to like the edge takes you to different places yeah (laughs) and so I a lot of my reflection now is like okay is that now you know like or am I worried about something it happened previously so I'm worried it's going to happen again Mm -hmm. um or like situations that I can't change like last episode right we're talking about other people like situations with other people mm-hmm. I can really ruminate about those in like my fixer mind like what can I do about this what can I do like I can't I'm I can't do anything I can't do anything I can't do anything about it and then I have to like stop myself and mm-hmm. like you know zoom out and take a look at the whole picture and you know, reflect a little bit more and like stop the rumination cycle. Yeah. 
because I can definitely um, spiral mm-hmm. if I'm like not being aware of what's going on. Sometimes even when I am aware of what's going on. Because I-, <laughs> I was going to say like, that can happen too, right? Where we can be aware of what's going on, but yet we ruminate and we know we're ruminating, but we can't stop ruminating. You can't stop it. Yeah. yeah. It's not that you can't stop it. It's just that it's very difficult. Yeah. It could, it gets to a point where sometimes it could be all consuming I mean, at yeah. times. And I'm literally thinking of, because there's been, as you know, we both run anxious. Like there's been times where I've definitely ruminated mm-hmm. on stuff. And it could be something as simple as like stuttering during yeah. the presentation and I'm like mm-hmm. how stupid did I like why did I stutter that is so dumb like blah, 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 you know kind of keeping that going and what I've noticed too and I've noticed that I'm reflecting on it is this more like positive self-talk mm-hmm. yeah I, like more almost like this like self-accepting of like it did happen mm-hmm. and it's completely okay you're okay yeah what can we do differently maybe even next time right mm-hmm. and maybe they're not even doing anything different like you stutter because you got anxious okay or you were nervous yeah there are other times where it's like you made a mistake but that's okay maybe next time we don't Mm -hmm. that's the for me when I think about those two I'm like the difference is the reflection is is like we're looking at it and we're like okay Mm -hmm. what can I what can I do differently next time or it did happen so you know let's just look at this situation Mm -hmm. as far as rumination where it's like you're just beating yourself up yeah rumination Mm -hmm. is just you're on a runaway train Exactly. That's going in a loop over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it's not stopping. <laughs> unless you stop it. Yeah, I was like, I can though. <laughs> yeah. Like, unless you put something in place. Yeah. To, like, you know, turn it off. Like, rumination can go on perpetually, like mm-hmm. forever. Yeah. So if you have anxiety, you've probably ruminated. You probably have. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people have a rumination story. So if you mm-hmm. want to share it, share with us maybe any stories of rumination and reflection yeah feel free to again email us at confessions yeah. from a therapist at gmail.com yeah. but we have more the to talk next, about for this episode <laughs> yeah. the next one is irony versus sarcasm Ooh. um which again like kind of what was the last one that like didn't really like hit me well or oh, I didn't it was like, oh. reverence. R. Yeah. yeah, reverence mm-hmm. for irony, irony and sarcasm. Like I kind of felt the same about them. Okay. What did you What did you think about them? Um, as far as like what I thought in terms of like her talking about them, or just them as like. I mean, things. I felt like I kind of understood it a little bit. Yeah. Um, Cause I can be very ironic and very sarcastic. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I, th- I think I kind of like picked up on it slightly to kind of understand it. Um, I felt like she didn't go too in depth with them. No. Like she kind of like gave the definition and was like, here they are. And then was like, kids don't understand. Right. So we talked a lot about like with, like she talked a lot about like with kids and things. Mm-hmm. When I think about irony, um, you're saying something that's opposite from what you're actually intending to mean. Mm-hmm. So when it, you're saying ironic, it's like that song that she said, Alanis Morissette, like ironic, yeah. where it's like, you're watching Netflix, but you have DVDs, right? Yeah. Or, or like you're getting a free ride, but it's an Uber. Yeah. You know, so you're kind of like, it's, it's ironic because the intended message is different than, or the, the meaning of the word that you're saying is opposite to the intended message. Yeah. And so that's when I think, when I think of ironic in situations, I think of it being like, you're, that's what it is. Like, you're just saying something, but the message is opposite. Yeah. Which I think people do by accident. Yes. I think it's so easy to be ironic. Yeah. Super. Yeah. And like with sarcasm, like you said, like if that's sort of your humor, Mm -hmm. right. Or if that's, you kind of just run a little more sarcastic. Yeah that can really impede connection because mm-hmm. some people like do even adults don't understand sarcasm Mm-mm. and I feel like I can be one of those people sometime mm-hmm. where I'm like wait 
Were you being serious or were you joking? I'm the same way. I'm guilty. It's hard for me to. It's hard for me to read some people, especially when it's like dry sarcasm. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like I can be sarcastic, but it's very obvious, right? That I'm being sarcastic. Like I'm. I think I'm kind of like. I make it obvious. Like I'm using it as a joke. Mm -hmm. But with some people, they can just like really monotonely yep and dry like they're saying something and i'm like wait wait it's hard for me to read you right now (laughs) are you serious or are you not serious yeah um yeah and so that can like impede connection Mm because you know well you're, you're missing the meaning missing the meaning and there could be a hidden contempt behind it that's true but the sarcasm like mm-hmm. that's something I held on to when she was talking about it. I was like that's true because I have been sarcastic in situations where I have been angry angry mm-hmm. or hurt or rageful or something and there has been that hidden behind my sarcasm which only causes more disconnection mm-hmm. it will always end badly when that sarcasm is there Mm-hmm. because then that person knows that it's hidden there's a, a hidden contempt i most of the times that i've been that way most of the time the people are like you're just being that way because you're angry or something or you just said it because you're angry and i'm like i'm being sarcastic it's just supposed to be a joke and i'm and i'm like because i'm too insecure to admit yeah that i was angry about that situation mm-hmm. and so i know i'm guilty of having that and so when she said that about sarcasm i'm like it can be funny but there could be hidden contempt yeah, I feel like maybe that's how I always read sarcasm. Oh like, yeah, like there's a hidden contempt to it. Yeah, the recovering okay. people pleaser in me is like, wait, what? <laughs> Don't be angry with me. What? What are you mad? Like you're mad? <laughs> what I do? Like now, let me ruminate on this thing for yeah. forever, trying to figure it out. Um, because it is true. Like for for some people, there is that sort of back end right that's driving the sarcasm yep and then for some people that's just their personality but like is it i don't know yeah like for it, me personally i'm like it just sounds like maybe you're always a little like pissed at me about something yeah yeah no i mean i i'm 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 literally on that boat with you like yeah i'm such a people pleaser at times where i'm like okay like what can i do for you like let me make sure you're not angry with me and in reality, the situation, they're probably not. They were just being sarcastic, mm-hmm. which there's no, there's no, there's no bad thing about being sarcastic. So I no. hope that people understand that. Like you can be, you can use sarcasm and it can be funny. Mm-hmm. The problem is when you start to notice what the, what the emotion is behind the sarcasm. Yeah. Right. So then it's like, if it is some kind of rage, anger, hurt, or anything like that, and you're being it, it will end for the most part badly. I wish we could like ask Brene about that. We should. Like if, if sarcasm. Let's DM her. I know. Right now. If, if sarcasm, <laughs> if she's found that it frequently has this sort of like underlying other okay. emotion that's driving it. Can it be a, I, you know, I, I know how you and I hate talking about like positive and negative emotions, but could there be like, can you be sarcastic with, more of a I'm just gonna say positive emotion yeah I feel like if you're trying to be funny okay right because like sarcasm like can be like comedic yeah so if you are trying to like elicit a laugh or trying to be funny and then you use sarcasm to get that across Mm -hmm. um then I think yeah you know then it's coming from a like I'm trying to I don't know, just be funny or like make somebody laugh or whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also have like this contempt side of sarcasm. And so that's why I'm so, I'm like, I would like to ask her about it. Okay. Like, what, what have you found really like with sarcasm in the back end for people like, you know, in her research? Mm-hmm. I'm, curious. I'm curious about that too. I'm curious what your question is. <laughs> Yeah, uh, like, because hmm. it, yeah, because I feel like it can be both like positive and not as positive. Yeah. 
Hmm. I don't know. We'll we'll DM her maybe. I know. Maybe we'll like, do it. <laughs> the one thing I do want to point out too with irony sarcasm is really what she said was the importance with kids. Yeah. Is because you know, and I think that's that's a hit. Uh, that's a hot topic, really quick, because we can easily be very ironic and sarcastic with children, but mm-hmm. they themselves developmentally cannot understand or distinguish between what's real and what's not. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. so what she was saying was that when we are being ironic, just use the language, just use the language that it was intended when you're working with kids or things like that, because they're not going to probably understand it. Mm-hmm. You know? So if instead of saying like, you know, the difference between, right. So you're using a word, but it has the, op- the opposite meaning. Kids are not going to understand the distinguish the two. They're going to take for what it is, what you're telling them. Yeah. Same with the sarcasm. They're not going to understand it. It can be very hurtful to children. And not to say like, you can't be funny, sarcastic, because you probably can, but when there's other things behind it, or even the funny ones, sometimes with kids, like it would just, it can be very confusing for children to understand. Yeah. There it's like such a higher order, Mm -hmm. like brain function. Yes. To grasp irony and sarcasm. Like I, I can't even do it. <laughs> she has questions for Brene Brown. She I have questions for Brene Brown. Um, so yeah, so like kids really, it goes over their head and they miss it. And I think a lot of the time adults with humor, like when you're dealing with a kid, you use sarcasm in like a sort of negative. So like something I'm thinking of is like, you know, a kid does something I don't know, maybe they like throw all their food on the floor mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, great, cool. Right. Like you're being yeah. sarcastic about that, but to them, like they don't get what it is. Like mm-hmm. they're not going to understand that you didn't actually mean cool. They're, and, but then they're also going to hear this like thing in your voice. That's confusing. The annoyance behind it's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. So happy I get to clean up after you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, so yeah, I'm sure because if someone said that to me, that wouldn't feel good. No. You know? And so I think that we do use those sort of things with kids very frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because we're frustrated and tired or whatever, but they totally miss it. And then they're confused. Like, or you said, or you think it's funny and they like, don't think it's funny. And especially for like highly sensitive kids, like if their personality, right. Is just more sensitive. They feel feelings bigger Mm -hmm. that can really upset and like trigger and just cause all these other issues for you. Um, Yeah. When dealing with kids like that. So I would just avoid it. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the best of your ability yeah and it happens you're gonna probably do it which is okay so don't be too hard on yourself either if it does happen yeah <laughs> reflect that's, not ruminate <laughs> yeah and that's a great a great time to also like practice repairing yes you know so if you do say something that's sarcastic and then you're like oh, I shouldn't have said that like literally saying to the kid I'm sorry I shouldn't have said that to you mm-hmm. right I was frustrated or whatever it is Mm-hmm. I'm, but that's no excuse. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think that's one of the like most powerful things that an adult can do for a child is modeling is, is mm-hmm. modeling, you know, that we all make mistakes. Like nobody is perfect and it's okay. It's really about like how you handle it mm-hmm. after the fact. And not being so prideful as to be like, well, I'm not going to apologize to a one-year-old. Yeah. You know, like, no, you should. Because <laughs> if you treated them bad, like, you should apologize to them. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's fine because everyone does it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And you should apologize. Because so too, like this is sort of off topic, but kind of on topic. Adults can be so mean to kids. Like Mm -hmm. adults can say things to kids that they would never say to another adult. 
I know. Definitely not to their face. Mm-hmm. But adults like say things to kids all day. Yeah. And it's like, dang, you know, like that was really mean. Like you would not say that mm-hmm. to another adult in the same situation at all. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's something to reflect on, right? Like, yeah. Would you say if it was another adult in that situation, would that have been your response? And if you're like, no, I would never say that because that's so rude, right? Or that's Mm. so disrespectful, then that's probably a great indication that you should apologize. Exactly. To the child because they didn't, you know, they didn't deserve whatever it was that you said. Mm -hmm. And again, like everybody, we all say things because we all are humans who get tired and cranky. Mm -hmm. And when you're tired and cranky, like your awareness of what you're saying and your delivery is just not top notch. And if you are an adult who talks to a kid like that and says, I would talk to an adult like that, let's segue into self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the self-righteousness because yeah. <laughs> you're not correct sometimes. <laughs> Yes. And so the definition of Mm self-righteousness is the conviction that one's beliefs and behavior are the most correct. Mm -hmm. And these people are very close-minded, flexible, intolerant, or um, ambiguous. Yes. And less likely to consider others. Exactly. And less likely to consider others' opinions. Yes. If ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's a lot of this going around in our world, mm-hmm. right? With just like the political climate of everything. Yes. Um, everyone's Facebooks are filled with self-righteous wall posts and comments mm-hmm. and things of that sort. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I don't even know how we got to this place where everyone feels like they know the best. Yeah. Um, but we have, and we all can be guilty of it. Yes. Like even me as a therapist, like sometimes I think I know what's best and I'll impose that on people. Mm-hmm. So I'd be like, well, this is what you should do. This is, like, even with my sister, I don't have a kids. Mm-hmm. Michelle, you would probably punch me in the face yeah. because, <laughs> you know, like I have, you, you are a parent now yeah. and I will be with my sister and be like, well, you know, I wouldn't do that as a parent. And she just rolls her eyes and she's like, do you have, like, you don't even know. And I'm like, you know what? I need to take a step back. Like, I literally don't, I yeah. literally don't know what it's like to not get any sleep because of a kid. Yeah. Right. So we're all guilty of being Mm self-righteous. So, and at the same time, like, you know, it's again, that reflection, Mm -hmm. like, okay, take a pause. But. Well, I think it's like in relationship too. Yeah. You know, like you, people can definitely have like self-righteous moments, especially if you've been triggered and you're in like an argument, sort of this, like. I know I'm, I'm right. right. Yeah. yeah. I'm right. No, I'm right. Mm-hmm. And then you just have like, you're now butting heads because neither one of you is going to say that I'm wrong. <laughs> I was that, wrong. Like, I could be a little bit uncorrect and mm-hmm. you could be a little bit correct. Like we could both be right. Yeah. In different ways. Yeah. Sometimes that's just not the case. And you really no. like are holding this like self-righteousness. Mm-hmm height and it can cause some problems Mm -hmm. and it can get in the way of just having a meaningful connection with Mm -hmm. others it's like lacks it lacks like rounded confidence in ourselves like Mm -hmm. that's the thing too about like self-righteousness like the really it lacks just this overall sense of confidence Mm -hmm. and it also screams like just judgment yeah like it just screams like you know you're wrong and I'm right, but it also like hides those skeletons in your own closet, like mm-hmm. not being able to even admit that there is a part of you that is wrong. Yeah. It's sort of like this claiming of perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I think too, in a lot of like family things, like family dynamics, Mm -hmm. there can be like self-righteousness that creates strained family dynamics, Uh you know, like it, it, like I think of grief as one of those things where like people, each person's grief experience is so personal. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you're in it, and someone is grieving differently than you, you're like, why, why are you doing like, like, like you have like this judgment either. Like it's not good enough grief, right. Or it's too much grief mm-hmm. or right. Like the way you're handling it is not right. Like you need to do it this way. Yeah. Um, and that comes from like this very self-righteous place because you don't ever want to think that you're doing grief wrong. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, like, everyone's experiences are so different. Mm -hmm. Everybody's life perspectives are so different. And so people are going to show up differently. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, like, just supporting other people and being like, it's okay that, you know, we're different in this thing. You know, it's okay that like you grieve this way and I grieve this way, or it's mm-hmm. okay that you think this thing about this topic. And I think this thing about this topic, like we can coexist. Mm-hmm. I feel like self-righteousness doesn't really allow for like the coexisting of processes mm-hmm. or ideas. Yeah. The one that I have is the most correct. Exactly. It gets in the way of just meaningful connection. Yeah. We're not able to have an open dialogue or share opinions and things like that mm-hmm. and it's usually oftentimes because the self-concept is like what did she say the self-concept is in trouble or it's not mm-hmm. like your overall self-concept is like just in I think she said it was in trouble yeah like it's yeah. threatened it's threatened yeah like you, you're having you're wanting to protect something internal mm-hmm. and so she was saying too I think that when you want to really kind of reflect on that self-righteousness when you're in that moment of like, and I, I'm, I'm probably saying this wrong, but she, I think she was saying like, when you're in that moment of like, quoting, stepping on somebody else's neck, mm-hmm. take a pause and check your own values. Is this a person mm-hmm. I want to be? Or is this this person, these, does this match the values that I want? Yeah. And then really being like, no, it's not. And then that's that inner work, right? That self-reflection of like, okay, like, how do I work on that then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With, that was a harsh with, one to end on. <laughs> no. Well, and then two, even more, she talks about pragmatic moral outrage or is it pragmatic? Performative. I can't even read my own hand. <laughs> what is <it>? chicken scratches? <laughs> oh my God. Performative moral outrage, which again, I feel like we see very frequently, right? Especially with social media. Because everybody can share everything. Yeah. And it's like her sort of definition, right? Is like that you're proving to others that you care about an issue, but it's much more performative mm-hmm. than like, I'm sure it's, there is a level of care, mm-hmm. right? But it's more like, I want people to know that I care mm-hmm. instead of I actually care and I'm sharing like my stance on something, yeah. but I'm, but I'm doing also like the work in the background that people don't see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so I, the fact that that like fell under self-righteousness, I was like, interesting. Mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's just something I think that comes up a lot and we can all be guilty. Oh, for sure. Of doing that especially when there's 1 million causes that you can care about, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, at any given point in time, there's oh always something God. new happening and always something new coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're all guilty of being performative sometimes, but again, right. Like we keep talking about, it's the reflection about that. Yeah. That's important. Mm-hmm. Taking the pause and wondering to yourself, like, what is, the reason I'm doing this right now. 
Mm-hmm. Is it because of likes or is it because this is a true issue that I want to share? Mm-hmm. You know, so is it, do I want, do I want to share this because I want people to think that I find this important mm-hmm. because my own self-concept is threatened and I want to make sure that I protect it in some way? Yeah. Or is it genuinely coming from a place of like, this is something I firmly believe in and I want to share it. Yeah. Or I want to do something about it. Right. Because mm-hmm. like you were saying, there's no sh- way, shape or right way of being like, you know, you posted that. So you're just being self-righteous. Mm-hmm. We don't really know. Right. Yeah. You don't know it's in somebody's heart. No. And so, right. I even think about like right now, because it's June, it's pride month. So I know a lot of people are posting things about pride. Mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, being supportive of LGBTQ rights. Um, and in no way am I going to judge anybody's posts for that. Mm-hmm. As long as they know in their heart that it's for a righteous reason and not self-righteous. Yeah. So that's why I, I do want to say like, post away. Mm-hmm. Just reflect on what it is that you're doing it for, for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and two, it, it really is okay. So like you can put up a post, but then mm-hmm. how do you, how do you handle that? And how do you manage that in your actual life? Exactly. Right. Cause like social media and stuff, that's not your actual life. No. So if you're, if you're posting that you're an ally, do you actually like live out those values for real? Exactly. You know? Like that's an important thing to ref- to reflect on. And I think some people like they might truly think like, oh, well, yeah. Mm -hmm. But again, like everyone can always do better exactly, and be better. And it's just about reflecting on it, Mm -hmm. seeing where you can improve and grow. Because if, if something is a cause that is very important to you, then you're going to do like the personal work behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And that's what doesn't get posted to your stories on Instagram. Yeah. Like that doesn't make its way to your Facebook. No. Um, it's a, it's a more private, like personal journey, but then again, it might, I know we can probably talk for days about this because it could, people could post it. So that's why I always tell people, I'm not going to judge what you post. Yeah. As long as you know, within your heart, it was righteous or self-righteous Yeah. because who knows. Right. So then I think to myself, like somebody could be doing the work, but post themselves doing the work. Now, is that because they're wanting to be self-righteous or is it because they're wanting to bring more awareness to the situation? Yeah. So it's always a fine line to walk. That's why I'm like, do you yeah. <laughs> just know where it's coming from Yes. <laughs> and reflect? Yes. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Cause I, you know, cause as you're talking, I did find myself being slightly judgmental. <laughs> in the only reason, yeah. The only reason why I bring that up is because you know how we're both board members of a nonprofit. Yeah. And we do post the things we do. Yeah. Like fundraisers and they all go towards certain charities, things like that. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, we do post the work we do. Mm -hmm. So I just want to make sure it's like, you know, when people, you can do that. You can post the work you're doing. You can post the post that you want. Just reflect. Is it, I'm doing this because I don't really care about that. And I just want value. Mm -hmm. Then there's an issue with the self-concept. Yeah. Or Or is it. Uh-huh. Because it's like, it's pride month. It's pride month. And this is it. Yeah. Right? So but in, in June only in, is the only time. Those corporations, we see you. I know. Oh, hello. <laughs> rainbows so, on everything. Exactly. Right. But do you have rainbows yearly around oh, and yeah. donate money to these organizations? Or are you just being self-righteous and kind of like wearing the badge for the month? Yeah. So that's why I always tell, that's why I always think to myself, like, do what you want. Mm-hmm. I just hope that it's coming from a very self-righteous, uh, a righteous place, not yeah. self-righteous. Mm-hmm. And I, I would never really know unless, you know, I see it, yeah. What you do see in June a lot. So. Yeah. Even with racism and like mm-hmm. the Black Lives Matter movement, like a lot of people posting about that and not really doing any of the work besides just the posting mm-hmm. because we all wanted to appear non-racist. Yeah. Like I'm not racist. Look what I'm posting. Yeah. That's self-righteous. You're doing it for yourself because you don't want to appear a certain way, as opposed to saying, I do stand behind these values mm-hmm. and I do believe these things do exist. Yeah. I do believe white privilege is a thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm checking is, my own. And I'm checking my own. I'm having these tough conversations. Yeah. You're, you know, posting it or not posting it. You are having those. 
but is it because of a self-righteous reason or righteous, right? I can't judge that. Yeah. But it is, sometimes you can, but (laughs) sometimes you can see it and you can be like, okay, like, do you understand these concepts or is it because of this? And they're like, well, I really don't get it. It's like, all right, what are we doing then? Yes. Yeah. But you're right. Is that the, the real like meat of it is like internal. Mm-hmm. No one can know what your internal motivation is besides you. And sometimes you don't even know it right mm-hmm. away, you know, because we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. And so all you can do is learn mm-hmm. and do better. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Like there, there is no place to well, you can, right? But you should probably think about it before like judging, right? Others things um, because we don't know what's really going on for them personally, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's kind of up to them. Yeah. So I always find like, that's a hard one to kind of like see, but it is almost like a feeling too. You can almost tell sometimes like, again, like the LGBTQ thing right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, some of these organizations you can look and be like, how much are you funding to these organizations that really need the support? Zero, right? Well, they only do it in the month of June. Okay, so you only care during the month of June? Yeah. you want people to know? You know what I mean? Like you can see the self-righteousness in certain areas. Yeah. And others, it's hard to see. So that's why I just, you know, if we had a closing thing, I would just say like, just reflect on yourself, reflect on what you're doing and, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, that, yeah, with, with all of these. All of them. And just life's journey, right, is about just exploring, exploring Mm -hmm. yourself, right, being open and curious to the world and to others, trying your best to practice like non-judgment, which Mm -hmm. is difficult. It's like a daily choice, right? And like being okay when people, you know, maybe point out to you things that (laughs) you don't feel that great about no and having the tough conversations like my I love my sisters especially Chelsea Mm -hmm. shout out for this because (laughs) she will call me out Mm -hmm. on certain situations like it but it's a good conversation to have because then it makes me reflect on like wait maybe I am being self-righteous right now Mm -hmm. you know because I don't have anything to say back to that She'll be like, well, yeah. you're just saying that because of this, or you're just doing that because of this. And I'm like, no, no, that's because of these other things. She's like, well, tell me about it. You know, but I know it's defensive, but she'll be like, okay, well, what's going on with it? And I'm like, well, it's wait, you're right. And she's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like, yeah I thought I told you. Right. So it's like, it's just sibling humor, how we talk, but mm-hmm. you know, I think having those tough conversations and be able to say like, Hey, this is what I'm feeling and seeing. Like, mm-hmm. let's talk about that. Let's talk. Yeah. And having just an open dialogue and being comfortable and brave, mm-hmm. courageous to kind of have those deep, hard conversations. Yeah. And of course it's going to be with people that, right. Like you trust and are safe for you and you'll know who those people are because when they are bringing something up to you or pointing something out, it's not coming from like their own judgmental place. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's they're they're really trying to like have a conversation with you mm-hmm. and um you know, it's important to find those people that, you know, are safe and like willing to do that for you. Cause that's the only way that you're going to grow Yeah, is when people sort of challenge you, but challenge you in, you know, like loving, compassionate ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then being able to be like, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I was being judgmental just then. Yep. Right? Or, you know, whatever it is. And then not being too hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. in the terms of recognizing what you were doing and then trying to do better next time, mm-hmm. you know, like not ruminating on the fact that, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe I did that. Or I can't believe I said it that way. It's just kind of like, okay, I did. Maybe I shouldn't have, or, you know, now I know more and I can do better mm-hmm. and I'm going to do better next time. Um, yeah, it's hard work. Mm-hmm. It's every day. It's every day. Every day. <laughs> it's draining. But <laughs> <laughs> it's draining. As worse. we rub our eyes, we're like, oh, these yeah. guys are right. 
but with that I think that that's a good segue as we close out right it's like yeah just reflect <laughs> reflect on all these things check mm-hmm. yourself not check yourself and like check yourself like, <laughs> just check in I meant check in with yourself you know yeah. have those even have those tough conversations with yourself because mm-hmm. it's hard to look at the skeletons in the closet and to admit our wrongs yeah you know yeah. but it's also how you comfort yourself in those moments so it's true it's true so next week we will be doing the last episode of sure Brene Brown series and I'm excited about it me too it's a good one it's a really good one yeah so yeah. we will talk to you guys next week all right well take care everybody bye bye